You're listening to The Other Side, a podcast designed to help people, regardless of their experience, figure out how to make that leap and thrive in the ever-changing and chaotic business world. I'm James Awana, a recent graduate who's trying to find his place in this crazy world. And I'm Renata Squario, a senior executive of 30 years, who's worked in some of Australia's largest organisations. And as my daughters grow up, I want this to be my legacy for them and the next generation. The world of work is changing and I want to help them and you thrive on the other side. Hey, welcome back to The Other Side. This is Ren and I'm joined by my trusted companion, Jimmy. And in today's episode, we're going to explore the concept of verbally selling yourself. And most of the time that's done through an interview process, whether it's a video interview or a face-to-face interview. We're going to talk to you about the good, the bad and the ugly and our experiences uh, on that. And excitedly, we will then be following up in our next episode with a mock interview. So today we'll be talking about, um, you know, what we started in, in episode two and built on in episode three, the importance of knowing yourself, the importance of being able to tell your story in the written format. And then the question is, how do you use your body, your voice, everything that goes with the nonverbal to really tell your story and, and you know, tell the other person that you're having a conversation with why you're the person for the job. And that's not easy. And in fact, actually, that's quite hard. And I can tell you as someone who's been in the workforce for 30 years nearly and had many interviews, doesn't matter how old you get, doesn't matter how much practice you get, it's still hard. But it's a worthwhile thing and let's face it, it's really probably the only way you're going to get a job. So it's worth practicing and getting better at. James, I know you wanted to share with our listeners some of your interview experience. So we may as well launch into that. Let's uh, let's hear from you. I don't know about want to tell, but I mean, it's it's useful as part of the the journey where we're all on. Uh, I guess I've had two sort of opposite ends of the interviews. The first went unbelievably well. It was actually probably my first interview. Yeah, I think it was my first interview on on trying to find a job post university, and uh, don't know the vibe was just amazing. I did a bunch of research about the company and had a whole spiel lined up and. They were pretty impressed that I knew so much about their their growing business and um, there was a dog in the interview and that probably helped me as well because I just felt less nervous because I love dogs and the dog was very cute and it was just it was just amazing and and they really commented on how prepared I was and how much they loved me and my enthusiasm and that was probably a reflection more of the vibe of the interview as opposed to what I said and uh, there was just really good connection there from the beginning but uh unfortunately they took someone internally which is um there's not much you can do about that it's probably decided before I even get to the interview stage but uh I mean it was it was such an amazing experience that it really helped me understand to feel the vibe of the interview and understand post interview whether or not you want to work there or not which, which sounds really weird to kind of reminds me of the castle, if you remember that, Ren, you know, the whole vibe of the thing. Oh, my God, that's one of my favourite movies. Um, but understanding and feeling the vibe, uh, it was a really cool learning experience, even though I didn't get the job, even though I 
desperately wanted to work there because of the dog. Um, <laughs> uh it really helped me in later interviews uh, and another one where I didn't get the job and was pretty grateful I didn't get the job. Um, the vibe of that, the sec, the other interview was just way off. I even knew people that were interviewing me, wouldn't even look at me, kind of were short, sharp and a bit rude. Didn't seem like they were trying to get to know me or have a conversation with me. Um, I'm pretty easy, laid back kind of kind of guy, and I don't know. I just felt really put off by the fact that they were weren't trying to get to know me. It felt like they were trying to interrogate me. And you know, upon reflecting with with people that I knew, like in particular, I was talking to my mum about it, and she said it, it's always important to to feel the vibe because that's what the workplace is like as well. And, uh, you know, upon reflecting from that particular interview, I was really grateful that I was rejected, mostly because they were kind of rude to me on the phone when they rejected me as well. So um, I feel like I was the one that won from that rejection as opposed to them. I feel like they missed out on a on a good recruit and I missed out on a crappy workplace. And it's interesting you say that, James. You know, it's so true. I've probably been to a few more interviews than you, but... Uh, it, it's very true that where I've participated in, and, you know, I've gone for some senior roles and through those processes you tend to meet with quite senior people who might be your peers or, of course, your boss. And, and as you think about the conversations you're having and how those conversations are making you feel, sometimes you're just not made for that workplace. And I, I know you and I offline have talked about the interview process being a bit like getting to know someone for the first time. Sometimes you've got great chemistry and you hit it off. Sometimes you don't. And rather than sort of making that the be-all and end-all of how the rest of your life's going to be, you know, what what you and I have better got better at sort of reflecting together as, as you've gone through those processes and, and me too, James, right? Because let's remember what I mentioned in episode one. I'm now longer no longer – I've made a choice not to be in corporate anymore but it took me a little while to get there, right? So Max Me, it's my, it's my baby, it's my passion and, and I started it as all good startup people do but before I got there I still participated in, in kind of letting go of the corporate dream so I went through interviews and I went for some pretty senior roles. I was really lucky to get through some – through to kind of the end of those interview processes. But in doing so, I just realised that it, it, it just kind of wasn't who I am. And, and rather than, you know, uh, allowing myself to go into the valley of despair, I've actually realised that it's reiterated for me what I do want. So I know that it's really important and you've had this same uh, realisation, I think, James, that – Every single interaction is an opportunity to work out what you do and don't want and makes you more resilient and makes you more reflective and makes you better at telling your story because it's a good way to practice, right? Seren, you're a self-admitted veteran of, of the corporate world and of the workplace and look, I got to pick your brain while while you hear about what it takes to to be successful in an interview and or to... You know, you've been on both sides of the chair, I guess, being the interviewer and the interviewee. And, you know, what does it take to be successful? Am I allowed to take pauses when I, after I've been asked a question? Am I allowed to tell jokes? Should I be professional? 
how much do I need to know about the company prior to getting in? What do I have to do to actually be successful and get the job? Lots of questions there, James, but really important ones. And, you know, look, let's start at the start. I think your first question was, you know, the importance of pausing. If you pause in an interview, do you come across as someone who doesn't know what you want to say? And I would say to that, absolutely pauses are really important. In fact, I had one interview and I'm a pretty gregarious passionate, high-energy person, James. And what happens in interviews when uh, potentially people like me um, jump to answers? Firstly, what I think it tells the interviewee, and this is feedback that I've got from people who have interviewed me because I seek that feedback. The only way I'm going to get better is to hear from other people the way I come across. And what they've told me is if you don't pause and stop and think, what it comes across as is if you sort of wrote learnt your responses so if they're asking you a question and you're jumping to answer it's almost like you come across like you haven't paused to think about what you want to say and somehow sometimes that translates in the workplace right so once I once I get the job you might not be considered about what other people are saying or thinking. You might think you've got all the answers. You might, you know, be a person who doesn't like to listen to other people's points of views. Remember, your interviewer is not only interviewing you for what you're saying right now, they're assessing whether you're going to be a good cultural fit for the organisation. So the power of the pause is actually really important because what it's doing is it's showing the interviewer that you're taking the time to stop and think about what they've asked and also think about what your point of view is and your response to that question. So it's actually really, whilst it might you might be thinking, oh my goodness, I don't want to come across as I don't have all the answers. And by the way, you don't have all the answers, so it's good if you're coming across that way because it shows that you're you know humble and you're considered, etc. But the power of the pause is important because it's showing the interviewer that you have respect about the question that they've just asked and the way you want to respond to it. So I think that's really important and thank you for asking that question. I get asked that a lot from the people that I mentor actually and people that I practice interview techniques with. I think one of your other questions, James, was, you know, um, I, th I think you asked do I have to have all the answers? Like what if I don't know the answer to the question? And I think that that's also really important to, to stop and think is it important for me to have an answer when I don't know and potentially come across as a bit foolish or would it be more captivating or sort of more of a, sort of a strength to say thank you for the question I actually don't know the answer and I'm happy to go away and give you an answer or in an impromptu situation Think about what might be the answer. You know, I know that when I've been talking to my daughter about exam techniques, sometimes you get asked a question and you don't know the answer. So what's the thing? You've got nothing to lose than having a go. So if you can sort of draw on your experience and draw on the, the question as you think it's being asked, and if you don't know that, you know, you might think, I don't know the answer, have a go anyway. But be really open and honest and say, well, Actually, I think you're asking this in your question, so I think the answer is this. Have I got it? Have I got that correctly? Even in that technique, that's really, really powerful. And next week, or in the next episode, I should say, James, when we practice interview techniques, we might practice a bit of that. Actually, I might, you know, ask you a question, and maybe you won't necessarily know the answer, and we can, you know, help our listeners sort of 
we can bring to life what we mean when we say just be vulnerable and, and you know, replay the question, say to the interviewer, I think this is what you're asking and if that is, then this is how I'm going to answer. So you asked also about this sort of concept of should I be telling jokes in an interview, James? I think what I'd like to say about that is what's really, really important in any conversation, whether it's an interview or it's a face-to-face conversation in a meeting or anything, what's really important is that you are yourself. Because when you're yourself, you're relaxed or more relaxed, even though, you know, you're feeling really nervous and in an interview there's a high stake, obviously – The more relaxed you are, the more the person interviewing you or having a conversation with you will be relaxed. If they're relaxed and not on edge, then they're listening more openly and more intently and really kind of wanting to know more about you. So the more you put them at ease by being yourself, the more they're going to be at ease. Now, we do have to remember that it's a professional conversation, right? It's not just a joke down at the pub. But again, don't take it too seriously. If you feel like injecting some humour, tasteful humour, importantly, definitely do not ever swear in interviews. That is the no-no, biggest no-no of all time. But, you know, if, if it's appropriate to make a, a comment in a lighter way, then do it. If that feels right, then that is in itself showing the interviewer who you are. Because the reality is, if you're not yourself in that interview and you're pretending to be somebody else, remember we talked about this cultural fit for the organisation. The organisation is the organisation and your success within it will be dictated to how much you fit in. So if you are yourself and you get the job, it means that the interviewer thinks that you're going to fit into that company. That's really important for success. I know that you know, getting a job and making money and being able to afford the life you want to live is important. But I can promise you that getting into a company and pretending to be someone that you're not and then really hating it is far, far worse than not getting the job. And I know that must sound, you know, kind of like the old woman talking here, but I promise you my experience is that it's better to wait Keep practicing and get yourself into a company where you can be your best and flourish and fit in well and feel like you connect to the values of that company than getting a job in a company because you're pretending to be something that you're not and then hating it from day one. James, you also asked about the importance of kind of, you know, this sort of research or knowing about the company and you touched on that when you sort of, when we opened this episode and you talked about the example of the interview that went really well and you had great energy and one of the things that you talked about then was just this concept of being able to talk about the company and say why you want to work for that company It's like anything, you know, when you have a conversation with someone, how exciting is it as the recipient to know that you've been heard or understood? And when you can replay to an interviewer why you're there and what the company's doing really well that's made you excited about coming to the interview and potentially working for the company, that's a compliment. And who doesn't like a compliment, right? The person who's interviewing you is someone who represents that company. And so when you compliment or talk really openly around why you want to work for that company and the things that they're doing well and the things that you're you really like or excited about, you are complimenting that person when you are complimenting the company. And so doing your research and then practicing again, like we've talked about, 
if someone asks you why you want to come and work here and you're able to say really authentically what you like, how it links to your values, why you think you're going to flourish because the company's doing something that you think is really important, that kind of stuff, that's really compelling in an interview. And it's just like anyone. When you pay someone a compliment, normally their chest puffs out and normally they feel really good about what you've said and there's no difference in an interview when you can tell the story around why you like that company and why you want to work there. So I highly recommend preparing, again, not overthinking it or scripting it, researching and have a thinking, having a think about if you're asked that question, what would you answer and what would you say about what's working really well from your research and why you want to therefore be part of that company. So yes, highly recommend that. Hey James, something you said uh, at some stage of this podcast has sparked something um, that I want to explore just a little bit um, as we sort of find ourselves coming to probably the end of this episode and that's the importance of being able to talk about your strengths and your derailers or the things that you're working on in interviews. I've conducted many, many interviews. Oh God, I couldn't even tell you how many but I imagine that it'll be in the hundreds actually. Because remember, I've worked in lots of different organisations. I've led fairly big teams. And I have always wanted to be very hands-on in the interview process. I think it's really important to, when you bring people into your team, uh, to show them, even if they're not working directly for you, to show them that you're really interested in who they are and, and part of the process of joining the company. So I have, uh, you know, hands-on participated in, in many interviews. And the things that I look for, and this is kind of in the said and unsaid, so sometimes I'll look for what's said and sometimes I'll look for body language or how, how someone's using their eyes or their voice, how confidently they're answering. When I ask someone, you know, tell me a bit about yourself, and that's kind of like a really open-ended question, and we'll practice a bit more in the next episode, James, so we'll, we'll give a bit you know, a bit more colour to that, a few more examples. And, of course, we'll give stuff on the website, maxme.com.au, some more examples. But when I ask that question, what I'm looking for is someone being able to succinctly, but also with confidence, talk about the things that they're proud of in themselves. So when I'm asked that in an interview, you know, tell me a bit about yourself. The things that I normally talk about are my passion for people and customer because I'm truly passionate about people and customer. And so I'll talk about how those sorts of passion or the passion to deliver service is really kind of fundamental to who I am. What's really important for me as a person is that I'm feeling like I'm adding value to the company that I work for, that I'm able to deliver results that are meaningful, that are, you know, kind of sometimes game-changing for others. That's kind of who I am. I've always been like that. It motivates me to see that I'm helping others. And so I, in interviews, talk a lot about that being important to me, being one of my core strengths, i.e., uh, you know, my consideration of others and, and you know, in VIA terms, and we, we explored about VIA strengths in episode two, in VIA terms, my top strength is love. And I know that must, you know, that sometimes people adjust uncomfortably when I say the word love. No, it doesn't mean I'm in love with you, but what it does mean is that I lead from a position of love and I, and I think about other people and I care deeply about the impact I'm having on them. So I talk in interviews around that translating in a work sense around this, you know, importance of the work that I do making a difference for others. When I, when I ask that question in an interview... 
I expect or I'm looking for from the other person, their ability to talk really openly around things like that. You know, here is what is important to me. Here is what I'm passionate about. Here is what I'm good at. And this is the way that it comes out. And these are sort of the things that I like to do as a result. I think that's really important. On the flip side is the importance of also being able to be vulnerable and open and talk about the things that I'm not good at, my derailers and what I'm doing about it. And listeners, that will be asked in every interview. And the way that you answer that normally speaks a lot about your ability to, one, be vulnerable, but also show that you've got self-awareness, that you've got humility, that you're a reflective person, that you're aware of your shortcomings because everybody's got them. And you're a you're able to talk about them and what you're doing about them because humility in the workforce, and in particular, you know, we talk a lot around, and we've talking, we've sort of spoken in the other um, episodes around the sort of changing nature of the workforce and the work that we're going to do together in the future is going to be complex work that's going to require lots of thinking and innovation. And to be innovative, you need to be curious and be open to learning and not think you have all the answers or all the ideas how that translates in an interview because the start of that of you being a part of that company is your ability to be vulnerable and show that you're self-aware you're able to be humble and you're able to talk about the things that are not so good about you that might derail you and what you're doing about them so as an example what the way I normally answer that question because it's true of the things that I constantly work on is I'm a high energy person and what ends up happening with high energy people is you might be a bit off-putting to people who are a bit lower in energy and maybe, you know, sort of a bit overwhelmed by how your energy might be coming across. So I talk always openly around an awareness around that. I'm not going to change who I am. I'm always going to be that high energy, passionate person, but I'm constantly thinking about and stopping and pausing around the way I'm coming across and how my energy in a particular situation might derail the very outcome that I'm trying to work towards. And in thinking about that, I might even in the moment change my energy, bring it down a couple of notches, stop, pause, listen. You know, one of my old bosses used to say to me, Ren, you've got two ears and one mouth for a reason. Double the listening, half the talking. So, I, I, you know, that's kind of a thing that has stuck with me for a long time. At the time, it stung a little bit because I felt like he was making a, a direct comment around my inability to listen and my uh, ability to talk a lot, which was very true. But what it's done for me is made me think and pause and stop in those moments where I feel like my energy is potentially going to derail the very thing that I'm trying to achieve. So in interviews, I talk about that and, and I sort of share my experience and my perspective on that and how I constantly try and work on that. And I've had really good feedback from interviewers around, you know, that being a moment when they've stopped and really felt like they've got to know me um, on a new level and, and they've really appreciated my vulnerability. So... Look, I've spent a bit of time on that. I think it's really important, though, as you guys, and, you know, we'll keep exploring it in the next episode, giving you some tangible examples, but it's really important to practice those things because your ability to talk about the things you're good at and not so good at show a lot about who you are as a person. Wow, Ren, uh, what a great episode it's been. I know I certainly got a lot out of it, and 
will apply a lot of the tips and tricks and things we talked about in this episode in any future interviews I have. But before we leave the listener for another episode, we'll give them a quick summary of all the things we talked about in today's episode. When preparing for an interview, practice the questions you're expecting and how those questions relate to the company. Feel the vibe of the interview because it's a reflection of the workplace. The interview is your chance to determine whether the business aligns with your values and fits the work environment that you are searching for. With each interview, you'll get a better feel and understanding of what you want and don't want. Take the time to reflect on the interactions of the interview and learn from your successes and mistakes. Similarly, frequently request feedback from the interviews or conversations and critically assess the feedback. It'll help you become more self-aware and confident in telling your story. Ren told us that pausing is really important. It shows that you've considered the question. If you don't pause and think, it comes across as you wrote learn the answers. Remember, you don't have all the answers, so it's okay to not know the answers. Be open and honest in your response asking if that was the answer they were looking for because you weren't sure. It may be a professional conversation, but it's important to be yourself and not to take yourself too seriously. Also remember that everyone loves a compliment. If you can relay to the recipient why you're there, what the company is doing well, and why you're really excited to work for the company, that can have a really positive impact on the interview. That person is a representation of the company, so in essence, you're complimenting them as well and their choice to work there too. Well, with that, we unfortunately have to wrap up for another episode. Thank you so much for joining us and listening to our podcast. We hope you got a lot out of this episode. And if you have an interview coming up, we wish you the best of luck and hopefully our tips helped you. And let us know what went well and If things didn't go well, what you learned from that experience, we'd love to hear your feedback. I guess with that, we'll have to sign off for another episode and we hope you join us in the next one. Catch ya.